0: Ten takeaways. Whew. I didn't think there were that many takeaways. I didn't see a lot of takeaways. I was like, eh, "This is a pretty good week. Not great. Not the best week. Not not a, not a big takeaway week. You know, kind of a mid takeaway week. Not not an incredible takeaway week." And then I started digging into it, and I started looking at uh, looking at the the notes sent to me from John Adams. John Adams heads up our game charting team. They can see who's running all the routes and and who's getting the snaps and he sends me notes, and, and they're incredible. Cap tip to John Adams, he makes this show possible. So meeting with him, meeting with our other analysts, reviewing everything, meeting with producer Ross Young, right? Suddenly, I'm like, wait a second. There's there's 17 takeaways, and I, I only need 10. This is a great week for takeaways. This is so many takeaways. And uh, there's, there's some heartbreak. So there's, there's going to be some heartbreak. On this show, and and there's going to be some celebrations on this show. Uh, you know, I want to I want to start with the 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 strong possibility. There was a strong possibility coming into this show that we were going to have a Tyson Badgett dance party. And you're like, well, what do you mean Tyson Badgett dance party? What are you talking about? Tyson Badgett only had 162 yards and a touchdown. You only put up 14 fantasy points, so that's not dance party worthy. But I was this close. Right, This close to a Tyson Badgett dance party. And why Tyson Badgett? Because we've been talking about Tyson Badgett ever since the Senior Bowl. (laughs) To the point where I thought that I was being repetitive. Like, I can't talk about Tyson Badgett anymore. How many times am I going to say that he was the best quarterback at the Senior Bowl and he's my favorite sleeper in the fifth round of a super flex rookie draft? you got to get Tyson Badgett. Right, this is a guy that could have played at a bigger school. West Virginia really wanted him, but he stayed at Shepard, stayed anonymous, except to NFL scouts, who're like, "We got to get this guy at the Senior Bowl. I want to see this guy against higher level competition." And then he was great. Like, how did how did Tank Dell look so good? How did Jaden Reed look so good? How did these some of these wider? How did how did Puka Nakua look so good at the Senior Bowl? Well, one of the reasons was Tyson Badgett, right? Michael Michael Wilson, right? Tyson Badgett was great and he was epic in a small school and he was totally undrafted I mean he is by far and away the best candidate to be the next Tony Romo in the NFL and it was just super exciting to see that guy exceed expectations and get a shot small school undrafted every step of the process he exceeds expectations and it was a great little sleeper and and badgett gave you the 24 rushing yards see that's the thing he's an athlete tyson badgett is an athlete and everyone was rushing to get him in superflex and two quarterback leagues as soon as they found out about justin field's injury i get it that was understandable that was smart right but for those of us in these deep leagues some of these leagues i'm in like 30 guys deep superflex already have badgett was looking at my phone Already have Badgett, already have Badgett, already have Badgett and a bunch of deep dynasty leagues. So it's, it feels great, I feel, but I feel, but more, I feel great for him. I feel great that, yes, we were talking about him all off season, right? That felt great. But also just the look on his face, right? The smile after the game, that it, it wasn't just that he was efficient, 21 of 29, that's efficient football, you know, running the ball when needed. He was, no one expected anything. Right, but did he turn the ball over? Right? Any interceptions? <laughs> they scored 30 points. This is huge. This is a this is the takeaway. Right? This is the takeaway. So there are were, there're were two takeaways with this Bears performance and this Bears Raiders game that were the complete opposite ends of the spectrum and these were two guys that we got to know with the senior bowl. We got to know Badgent, got to know Roshan Johnson. One guy arrives in the league out of obscurity he himself can't believe it's happening like he himself is like i can't believe this is a surreal experience you can tell like the look on his face the joy it was clearly surreal for him and then on the other side you look up dante foreman put him up 32 fantasy points dante foreman five targets right of course yes it's a rookie quarterback and he's going to be checking it down that's what's going to happen But three touchdowns, a career game for Dante Foreman, that should have been Roshan Johnson. That should have been Roshan. Whatever, whatever Foreman put up, Foreman puts up 32, Roshan would have put up 40. That would have been a 40 point performance from Roshan. So I'm gutted. I'm gutted. I'm I I look over at Badgeon and I'm I'm just ecstatic, filled with joy. I look over at Roshan and I'm like, pain. Just, I feel your pain. Like, the, he could have arrived at the NFL to get They could have arrived together. But this is a bad concussion. If Roshan Johnson sustains a concussion on a Thursday, can't get cleared for the next game, then can't get cleared for the next game after. We're talking about 20 days later. right? This is going to be a one-month injury. A one-month concussion holds you out a month is serious. So all the best to Roshan Johnson. All the best to his family. It's gut-wrenching, devastated. And for Tyson Badgett, just bravo. 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 Dreams can happen, man! It doesn't matter! Shepard, he wasn't getting any reps. You have to understand, even if he was the best quarterback at the Senior Bowl, when he arrives in Bears camp, there's no benefit of the doubt. There's no one that cares what he did at the Senior Bowl. Nobody cares about... Tyson Badgett, when he arrives, no one's giving him any reps, right? It it When I think about the Tyson Badgett experience, it reminds me of Tom Brady where he was tempted to complain to the coach and say, hey, I, I deserve more reps. I've been winning games for this team. Every year I come in in spring ball, and you guys have a new quarterback that you've anointed to compete with me, and the assumption is that he's going to take my job. And I've been great in practice, and yet you're giving me five reps with the ones. I understand Brian Greasy's a starter, but I would like a few more reps. I I think I deserve it. And then he decides, no, no, I've planned out what I'm going to say to the coach, and I'm not going to say it, right? All I can do is exceed all expectations in the very few reps that I'm getting. You know, if I'm getting three, I want to earn four. If I'm getting four, I want to earn five. If I'm getting five, if I'm perfect in those five reps, then I'll earn a sixth because the guy ahead of me is not going to be perfect. He's going to be throwing the ball over the guy's heads. He's going to be throwing interceptions in seven on seven and 11 on 11 drills. And then all I can control is what's in front of me and what's my responsibility. And He chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And that's the experience that Tyson Badgett had in Chicago. I'm sure of it. When training camp starts, he was not getting any reps with the ones. No one cared about him. No one gave him the benefit of the doubt. And he simply had to be perfect in the few reps that he had in order to incrementally add reps. And then eventually the coaches will be looking at the film side by side between Badgett and Nathan Peterman and be like, okay, okay, Badgett's just better. We just need to give, we need to skew the 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 practice reps more towards Badgett. But that's a process, that's that's months where you feel like after a couple practices, hey man, it's obvious to me. It's obvious to Peterman that I'm better. Why isn't it obvious to the coach? It just takes more time. But the tape is undeniable. And the stats that they take in practice are undeniable, and Tom Brady understood that. And so Tom Brady w- w- was was a basically a fun- at at Michigan in particular rose up as a function of efficiency. It wasn't volume; it was efficiency that helped propel Tom Brady up the depth chart at Michigan. And it's the same thing that helped Tyson Badgett propel himself up the depth chart in Chicago. Wow! Just what a story. And I have many, 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 10 plus maybe more takeaways coming after this. This episode is brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Rival Fantasy, the coolest fantasy platform not enough people know about, but they will once I'm done, baby, because they're always innovating. They just rolled out seasonal leagues. We set them up for patrons, for our listeners, and they funded over $1,000 in payouts. That's what Rival's all about. They're always innovating. They already had the fantasy book where you can take overs and unders, stack them up, multiply your payout, but then they added... Challenges, so you can set your own lines and put them out there for the community, and then you can browse the community's lines and say, "Hey, this guy's crazy. I'm going to take the other side." It's cool, and they have fantasy bingo. Rival fantasies reminded me how much fun I can have with fantasy football, and use that promo code PLAYER. The promo code is PLAYER. They give you a $100 instant deposit match plus $25 plus a free play. That promo code is PLAYER for up to $125 in deposit bonus and a free play. You can't beat it. But there were other teams that played other than Chicago on Sunday. One of the teams that played even earlier, we're winding the clock back. This is a week seven takeaways show. We have to talk about the Jaguars. We have to talk about Travis Etienne. Three straight weeks with two touchdowns. Let me say that again. Three straight weeks with two touchdowns for Travis Etienne. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So he is a league winner. I've told you he was the league winner for months. I've confirmed it. He's not Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert had five fantasy points. Etienne went over 20 fantasy points again. And he's now only 49 yards away, 49 rushing yards away from Christian McCaffrey. And Travis Etienne is leading the league in carries. So I, I gave you my favorite... In season prop, Travis Etienne is going to lead the league in rushing. Okay, that was what I said last week. It's it's going to happen. You just feel it, especially with these guys like Travis Etienne. You know that they're smart, right? You you heard his whole. He had a whole thesis on how running backs need to approach the game, knowing that their position's been devalued and how they need to command targets in the passing game in order to add value. The guy's clearly a cerebral player. The guy suffered a you know, a Liz Frank injury in training camp in his rookie year. It took him time to get ramped back up. Took him time to become the Travis Etienne that we see today. He's 24 and a half years old. He's got the, the highest carry usage in the league. He's on a team that probably going to run away with the division. Lots of positive game scripts. Lots of weak defenses. It's on. right? It's on. This is what the NFL leader in rushing yards looks like. This is also what a fantasy football league winner looks like because a hero RB build around Travis Etienne is going to result in many, 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 many fantasy championships. And you're welcome. You're all very, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. The other running back to build around was DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift, he didn't put up big fantasy points last night, but boy, did he look good. Oh, man. He is the shiftiest running back in the league. And to see him put defenders on skates at that size is disorienting. So I I love DeAndre Swift, and I love that he's turned his career around. There's clearly been a change in attitude. There's been a whole change in his whole approach to the game. I give a lot of credit to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles staff and Bravo. And Calvin Ridley is uh, a bust. Okay. So Calvin Ridley is a is a massive massive bust and I was told that I should be drafting Calvin Ridley in the second and third round because next year he's going to be a first round pick. And why is that? Oh, that's because one year, it just happened to be the year that Matt Ryan led the league in pass attempts and Julio Jones was way less than 100%. That year Calvin Ridley went off for like 1,300-plus yards, had a super prolific season. and see, But he didn't do much before that, and he didn't do much after that, and then he lost more than a year away from the game, a year and a half away from the game. There was personal issues. It was violations of league rules. There was a trade. And because of all that, because of the circumstances around how he missed so much time, and how he flashed one season, one big season, where there was very little target competition, and his team was forced to throw the ball at incredible volume, and he just happened to be fortunate that year, just happened to get some lucky bounces, that the Calvin Ridley career arc mimicked the Josh Gordon career arc. And I called him Skinny Josh Gordon. And boy, boy, were fantasy gamers insulted by that. That was just so old. That's mean. You can't call him skinny Josh Gordon. That's not right. He's definitely better than Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon had substance abuse issues. And Calvin Ridley's issues had more to do with gambling. But that, 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 regardless, I've seen him with his shirt off in camp making plays. Except I also saw Josh Gordon with his shirt off at Patriots camp making plays at his same age with the same number of games away from the league. And then he comes back to the league and just they can't pick up where they left off. Whether it's Le'Veon Bell, whether it's Josh Gordon, they simply cannot pick up where you it's not possible. It's just not possible to pick up where you left off, whether it's from league violations, mental health concerns, physical health concerns like with Michael Thomas, whether it's Michael Thomas josh gordon Le'Veon bell it's not possible to return to your previous form and if your previous form was overrated then you're on my do not draft list right even though many had him penciled in on their draft list for 2024 in the first round <laughs> so i i wish calvin ridley all the best i'm just letting you know That the moment we found out he was going to miss a year and a half of football, he was doomed. Josh Gordon, smoking marijuana and other drugs, certainly affected his athleticism, right? It drained him of his athleticism at an early age. His inability to maintain his strength and conditioning, his athleticism, degraded his skills over time. That is true. But also... The time away from a sport like football is impossible to come back from. We've seen players have substance abuse problems and come back and play at a high level. What we rarely if ever see are players that miss 2 years of football and come back to form. When it happens, I'm here to document it, right? As a historian, right? As as a data journalist, For all of time, I will write it down when it happens, and then we will have it. Well, I will carve it into stone the moment it happens. The moment a guy misses 18 months and comes back seamlessly to the league. We'll write it down. We'll never forget. But until it happens, why don't you just make guys prove it? Prove that they are unprecedented. Just prove that you're unprecedented. That's all I ask. Is that a, is that high? Is that a high bar? <laughs> Calvin Ridley, what? crazy. Oh, he's definitely a better pick than Christian Kirk. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But but Christian Kirk played football last year and he was uh, really productive, well over a thousand yards. And he's on the same team, more rapport with Trevor Lawrence than Calvin Ridley will ever have. Doesn't matter. All this target competition, from Travis Etienne to Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk himself. Ah, doesn't matter. Ah, Ah, draft him. Oh, shirt off. Spectacular play in training camp. That's what matters. That's what matters. Remember these moments. Just remember these moments. Remember these moments next July, right? Next July when you're drafting in a best ball league, snapshot this moment in your brain, right? Make the imprint. Don't get fooled again, right? You fool me once. right? Fool me once. Shame on you. You fool me twice. Shame on me. Right? Shame on me. See George Bush? See how easy that is, George? See how simple that is? it's an easy thing to say. Not gonna fool me twice. The shirt off. Spectacular catches. We'll talk about another player that was making spectacular catches with no pads on in training camp. And we'll we'll see how he's doing. We'll see how he's doing. Competing for targets with more established receivers. We'll compare. We'll just compare. It was another player on my do not draft list that we're going to talk about later. We'll see how he did. We'll see how he did versus the other receivers on his team in week seven. We'll see. We'll see. So I was watching the the Dolphins-Eagles game last night. Great game. Jalen Waddell left the game with a sore back, but he came back right and he was 6 for 6 63 yards 6663 great job right to come back from an injury and then to still produce and be efficient he was working underneath right so they're they're actually deploying waddle more underneath this year than they did last year and they're actually running hill deep more the reason why Tyreek Hill on pace to crush 2000 yards is because his route tree Is deeper and Waddles is shallower this year, but Waddle is dealing with a bad back. And when you watched him go to the locker room, I mean, he was walking very slowly, clearly in a lot of pain. They gave him something to help dull that pain and allow him to keep playing. Something, right? I mean, modern medicine. What? What a miracle, right? So they gave him a miracle in the locker room. But it's worth noting that his backup is Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson caught a couple nice passes last, a couple nice catches, right, for Cedric Wilson. And in this is a prolific pass attack. Now, against the Eagles, right, at Philadelphia, it's not surprising that the Dolphins' offense wouldn't look as good. That's shocking, right? They, they have this ferocious front seven. And they can't run the ball. Raheem Mostert, five fantasy points, right? We were talking about benching Raheem Mostert in the starter sit show. Starter Sit Show was incredible. We did a Starter Sit Show on TikTok. We have a Starter Sit Show on Instagram. We have one on YouTube. I hosted the one on TikTok on Sunday. We absolutely crushed. I brought in my man, Toomey. Anytime that you, you can share a name, a first name with a luxury brand, that's always, that's always great. Toomey was fantastic. And you're going to see more of Toomey on player profiler on all of our channels loved it had a great had a, just had a great time we we're supposed to be on for a half an hour but like this show this show by the way everyone this show is designed to be a 20 minute show top 10 takeaways supposed to be a, a 20 minute show it ends up being like an hour show just because there's so much to talk about of course right and like we were supposed to be on for half an hour we were on for an hour the the tiktok audience was just Inundating us with questions, it was great. And Toomey has an incredible takes; he has great perspective. So I really enjoyed my time uh, on that uh, that starter that starter stream show. And we we talked about the potential of benching Raheem Mostert, and, and a bunch of these start sets. I was like, eh, yeah, I don't know, eh, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. it was. A, and I and I retold the story to Toomey and others. That were on the on the I think we had we had hundreds of live viewers. It was really cool. And I I talked about how I went on the the better network uh last week to do the better court. And you have to come out with with strong positions. And I said, I think that the Eagles are gonna cover and I think the Patriots are gonna cover. And then someone took the other side and, and I was like, this is this is these are easy bets, guys. These are easy bets. Look who the Dolphins have beat. The Broncos, the Panthers, the the Patriots. What are we talking about? Look who the Dolphins have beat. They haven't beaten anybody, right? And they they play the Bills and they get crushed, right? What's the one team they beat that's any good? The Chargers. And the Chargers are 2-4. and They haven't beat a team with a winning record yet. Why don't you wait until, like, the line on the Dolphins, just so everybody knows, earlier in the week, the line when I did that show, it was Eagles minus two and a half. And you always give the home team three points. So that meant that Vegas had pegged the Dolphins as the better team by 0.5 points. And then, of course, the smart money came in on the Eagles. I said the Eagles. And then it moved to minus three. But that's still parity. That's still like, oh, these teams are about equal. It's like they're not even close. They're not. Unit by unit. When you look at the secondary, you look at the linebackers, you look at the front seven, you look at the edge rushers. You look at the offensive line. You look at the quarterback. You can just go down the board. Even the wide receivers, right? The wide receivers where the Dolphins would have this big advantage typically. Well, they don't when it's A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and the corpse of Julio Jones. Now, in Dallas Goddard, you could argue the Eagles have a better receiving core. It's actually a very straightforward argument. A.J. Brown is less than 100 yards behind Tyree Kill. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you? Did you know it's actually quite straightforward for A.J. Brown to lead the league in receiving yards, except this back injury to Jalen Waddle tells me they're going to continue to feature Tyree Kill down the field, and that is that is what is eventually going to allow Tyree Kill to create a distance between himself and A.J. Brown. He'll distance himself because Jalen Waddle is not 100%. That's why. But it's not because of anything A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is a phenomenal player. Congrats to everybody that drafted A.J. Brown. And just remembered that he's elite. And and didn't get confused. Like, oh, maybe Devontae Smith's the number No. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, the clear number one in Philadelphia. Chris Olave, the clear number one in New Orleans. 15 targets? Did I see that? Is that right? 15? Did I see that right? 15 targets for, for Chris Olave? Now, Derek Carr's struggling with his accuracy down the field. Because he has a sprained AC joint. That's only going to get better, though. I mean, Derek Carr's never been a a super accurate downfield passer. But it will, over time, he will become more and more accurate down the field. And that's going to help Chris Olave. I'm pretty fired up for Chris Olave. And I love a consolidated target share. Like, you have Camaro with 14 targets putting up 29 fantasy points. And Olave with 15 targets but only 12 fantasy points. But note Rashid Shahid more targets last week than Michael Thomas. That depth chart is starting to flip, so watch that over time. I'm gonna in, in my waiver wired show. I'm gonna start to feature Rashid Shahid as, as, as a top pickup as the routes and the targets are starting to come into parity with Michael Thomas. And as as the year goes on, he's only getting older, he's only getting dustier, and Rashid Shahid is explosive. It's great to see Dalton Kincaid eight for eight. He's finally arrived! Dalton Kincaid, get out the, get out the noisemakers! Oh, wait a sec. Hold on. Hold on. This is the tight end position. So before you go out and trade for Dalton Kincaid and, and declare victory that he's happening, just wait a week. Just wait a week. The tight end position is hugely volatile, hugely inconsistent. Just let Dalton Kincaid prove it one more week. It could be that the Patriots said, We're going to let Dalton Kincaid beat us, and and we're going to bracket Gabriel Davis for some reason. Whatever works. Hey, it worked, right? It worked. The Patriots knew to create a shell deep that that's where Josh Allen is always looking. He wants to go deep. He wants to go deep. And then he will begrudgingly check it down. That's why James Cook's never going to be a target magnet. That's why Dalton Kincaid's never going to be a target magnet especially because he's also competing for targets at the tight end position with Dawson Knox. Gabriel Davis is a buy low as long as he's running all the routes and he is the, the clear number two on the depth chart. Josh Allen is looking for him. They're just taking him away. But Gabriel Davis will have some boom weeks coming up, and I have no idea, no idea, whether Dalton Kincaid is going to get eight targets or zero targets next week. We'll all find out together. I know that Kendrick Bourne's going to get targets. He was efficient, six of seven, 23% target share. Kendrick Bourne's the number one receiver. I don't care how good he is. He's the number one. He's the de facto number one. He is the quintessential de facto number one receiver. At least with the Patriots, we know who that is. There are some teams like the Giants. We don't know who the de facto number one receiver is. We were hoping it would be Jalen Hyatt. Then Jalen Hyatt has two catches. I know they were 75 yards, they were down the field, but he is. A field stretcher. He is Quez Watkins. That's what Jalen Hyatt is. I was Jalen Hyatt had an opportunity against Washington to put up over 100 yards, to command a significant target share, to be efficient. He did none of that. So I'm all the more convinced that Jalen Hyatt is a bust. But a player like Jalen Hyatt, he's not ever going to be a 100% bust because you can always deploy him as a field stretcher. He can always be a situational asset to the team. It's just for fantasy football. He's never gonna p- provide you actual points. Kendrick Bourne will though, right? So I remember on the starter stream show, like, hey, but Kendrick Bourne. See, this is a game where we know the Patriots are gonna have to score points, so they're gonna have to run the ball. We were they're gonna want to to run the offense through Stevenson. We're playing Stevenson, yes, and Stevenson got there with catches, with a hundred percent catch rate out of the backfield. Like that's the way he got there. But that's the beauty of Stevenson. That's why you play him. That's why you start him. He can get there with touchdowns, or he can get there with receptions. But that was the game environment to play at Kendrick Bourne. Great target share, but a target share that was exceeded by Drake London. Drake London, another big-time target performance, 28% target share. Right, He is a target-commanding player. He became the second-fastest player in franchise history to 100-plus receptions. Who was the fastest? Was it Julio Jones? Because Julio Jones suffered foot injuries early in his career. I don't know who it was. I didn't look that up. He was the second fastest. Was it Roddy White? Was it Julio Jones? Or was it someone else? Don't look it up. Guess. Guess in the chat or someone might just know. But don't. please don't look it up. Go in the chat on YouTube. Go in the chat on, on Facebook Live. Make your guess. Don't look it up. But it's not obviously Julio Jones because of the foot injuries early in his career. My guess would be Roddy White, number one, and number one fastest player to get to 100 catches for the Lions. I'm on Ross Saint Brown, the Sun God. Oh God, just basking in the rays of the Sun God. I love it. I love looking up and see the Lions down two scores. I'm like, oh, this means I'm on Raw all day. All day, I'm on Raw. If you drafted, I'm on Raw St. Brown, A.J. Brown, Stefan Diggs, all these receivers in the first round, you are so happy. You're thrilled. But also, that improved your probability of drafting Travis Etienne in the fourth round. Yes! That's yes! right! So the, the Falcons won, right? So they're 4-3, and three, all these close games, winning these close games. Eventually, though, Desmond Ritter is going to be exposed. I think he was exposed against the Buccaneers. Three fumbles? Three three fumbles. Okay. A quarterback without draft capital, without any organizational commitment, that has a quality backup quarterback on the roster in Taylor Heineke, you can't survive three fumbles on a regular basis. So it's one game, playing the box, narrow win. You made it through. Good job. But just monitor the Desmond Ritter turnover count because at this rate, he he's not going to survive as the as the starting quarterback. But so far, so good. Right? He's putting up fantasy points because he's running for touchdowns. He's finding zeroing in on Drake London. That's a path to scoring fantasy points. Not necessarily great for B. John Robinson, right? But B, B. John Robinson, I think it's pretty clear. We gotta we gotta break the news to R. C. Fisher. Remember RC Fisher? He claimed that Rashad White. Better than Bijan Robinson. Uh, mm, mm, still not not true. Now Bijan Robinson, he went out with an injury, so he only had the the the, the zero fantasy points from Bijan Robinson. I hope he's fine. Uh, I I hope him that, that he's okay. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Let's 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 look up Bijan. Let's let's see if he's doing okay. Let's let's check in with Bijan. How you doing, buddy? How you doing? He just he wasn't feeling well. Okay, so this is this was just a headache, um, I guess. I, I couldn't figure out what was happening. Was it wasn't a concussion? It was actually just a headache. So I I it must have been a really bad headache. It must have been a super. I mean, wow, what a headache, right? But why, right? Why, why now? Like why in that game, right? Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson, they come in, they each put up fifty plus rushing yards. Algier was three for three. This is the running back position, right? You win the game anyway. Did it matter that Bijan Robinson went out with a migraine? Not really, right? The fact that the organization drafted a running back in the top 10, and you look at this box score, what are you doing? Especially when you know that the players that were available at that pick. Just such a failed draft pick. Love the player, terrible pick. Anna right? Anand Dury looking right as rain. No matter what happens with B. John Robinson, no matter how good he is, if he goes to the Hall of Fame, it was still a bad draft pick. Just look at this box score. Rashad White, look at that! 15 fantasy points in the box score. But, right, he did it as a receiver. The reason you love Rashad White, I love Rashad White, is that he is one of the smoothest, best receivers out there. There's just a handful of receivers that can run wide receiver routes down the field successfully and command targets. We were hoping that was going to be Jameer Gibbs this year, right? That was the that was the big hope for Jameer Gibbs. He's going to be one of these rare running backs that, like a Brees Hall, like a Christian McCaffrey, like a Rashad White, can command targets down the field. Unfortunately, Rashad White's getting the carries, and he's putting up less than three yards per carry. So 13 attempts, 34 rushing yards, well below three yards a carry. The offensive line is clearly one of the worst run-blocking offensive lines in the sport, but you would rather see Rashad White start to generate some yards on his own, start to break more tackles. This is something... Because we we don't need to show any more, right? You don't need any more proof that he's a great receiver. right? So now, for the next few weeks, what I would prefer to see from Rashad White are broken tackles than catches. Most running backs... I would much prefer to see the targets. Just give me the targets. I'm sure you can run adequately between the tackles. I'm not too worried about it. Whatever. This is the rare instance where, with Rashad White, I actually would rather see a between-the-tackles run where he breaks tackles and generates yards on his own as opposed to just another great catch out of the backfield where he gets yards after the catch. I mean, We know he can do that. He is a great satellite back, but we're now close to 25 games in where rashad white is inefficient as a runner i hate it i hate it so much i love lamar jackson though oh lamar jackson zay flowers stacks oh that's just a beautiful thing it's a thing of beauty and oh the mark andrews lamar jackson stacks oh my god congrats congrats to all of you that pulled that off incredible Right. This was the week of the tight end. You had Dalton Kincaid, 8-for-8. Eight eight. You had Dallas Goddard, 5-for-5, five five, 77 yards and a touchdown. You even had David Njoku leading the team in targets. Mark Andrews, two touchdowns. So tight ends making a comeback. We needed it. right? We needed that tight end production badly. So it was great to see. We needed that Jonathan Taylor production. Jonathan Taylor's back. Three for four in the passing game, 45 receiving yards. See, with Jonathan Taylor, it's the exact opposite of Rashad White. Jonathan Taylor, I just want to see the catches. Please. Oh, please. I don't care about Zach Moss getting 10 carries. Please, by all means, give Zach Moss 10 carries between the 20s, just like Tyler Algier, and preserve Jonathan Taylor. Just make sure he's getting the catches out of the backfield. That's what we care about. We have a monster game incoming for Jonathan Taylor. Keep starting him. Right, There were a lot of of start-sit questions about Jonathan Taylor. And we just said, okay, there's a few players you're definitely starting this week. You're definitely starting Jerome Ford. We're not listening to any start-sit decisions around Jerome Ford. You're definitely starting Jonathan Taylor. This is the week to play Jonathan. Go get him. Go get him. Go play him. He'll have even bigger weeks to come. More to come. Jerome Ford would have had a monster day. Multiple touchdowns. We know that before the high ankle sprain... He had 74 yards and only 11 carries and a touchdown. It was going to be one of these three touchdown performances from Jerome Ford. The true league winner off the waiver wire that we were all expecting when we knew Nick Chubb was going to miss the rest of the season. Kareem Hunt comes back, doesn't matter. It's all about Jerome Ford, then the high ankle sprain. So just devastating. Just makes you want to cry, man. You see these guys that you believe in, that you see the talent, and then they get the opportunity, and they're slaying. And then at that the, at that very moment, they're about to post just a, just a splash week. Just one of those epic splash weeks. High ankle sprain. Middle of the game. Just gut-wrenching. Just like Roshon Johnson. Like, this is his moment. We know Khalil Herbert's going to be out multiple weeks. This is it. He's got a game coming up against the Raiders. It's on. Heartbreaking. But you know who doesn't break my heart at all, I don't care about? I know. I know people are, are mad at him on social media. Why are you mad at Amari Cooper, right? Why are you Why are you mad at the sun when it comes up in the east, and are you angry when it sets in the west, right? Are Are you angry at the clouds that form and the rain that comes down? Is that what you angry about that? What are you mad at? This is Amari Cooper. This is what he's always been: super matchup sensitive, super volatile week to week, year to year, he's consistent. You know you're, he's giving you 1,100 yards, somehow, someway. He's going to give you a bunch of 30-point performances and a bunch of epic duds, and it's going to be super frustrating. 4.2 fantasy points for Amari Cooper. All he does is boom or bust. That's it. There's nothing in between. You're never going to see 10 fantasy points for Amari Cooper. That's just not a number you see. 12 fantasy points? No. No, no, no. He's either a top 20 receiver or outside the top 50. That's just what he is. It just depends on the matchup. It depends on whether a, a team is playing zone versus man. We know this about Amari Cooper most of the time. Then, he, then, he, then he'll then then trick us, right? Then he'll tri- So you never know for sure. You know there's some trends where you're be like, eh, I don't know. Well, you didn't know that Deshaun Watson was going to starting Amari Cooper. In fact, I was advocating starting Elijah Moore for all the same reasons. Like, this is – but – Deshaun Watson barely played. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is uh, is looking great. Tyrod Taylor is a better fit for this offense. This offense can't block anybody. Okay, So if you can't block anybody, Daniel Jones' contract that he signed was predicated on getting pass protection. Players like Daniel Jones, players like you know, Jared Goff, when they're not protected, they're the worst quarterback in the league. When they get that extra second, they could be prolific. Tyrod Taylor has spent his entire career evading pressure. He was on the Bills when the Bills were bad, when the Bills couldn't block anybody. Now, <laughs> Josh Allen's <laughs> is experiencing that all over again with all the injuries on the offensive line. But given the offensive line and the lack of receiving weapons, Tyrod Taylor is gives the Giants a better chance to win week in, week out. He had eight carries for... 25 yards. So he's he's running the ball. He's a tactical scrambler, putting up close to 300 passing yards. We know he doesn't have a strong arm, but it doesn't matter, right? He's just trying to get the ball to Barkley, distribute the ball like a point guard to Darren Waller, short intermediate. Maybe he'll heave it deep to, to Hyatt a few times, but you know it's 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 gonna be a, a sub 50% connection rate, which is what we've seen from Hyatt. But Taylor gives him the best chance to win. I like Tyrod Taylor as a streamer, and there's no guarantee. They, they, they. I mean, oh man, they just. I just. Every time I say there's no guarantee, just based on the performances, I remember the Daniel Jones contract, and then it's like, oh yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. He's probably coming back. Mm. In that game though, super low total, like a 35 point total. Terry McLaurin doesn't matter. 15 fantasy points. Like he's the anti-Amari Cooper. What's the opposite of Amari Cooper? Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, you know you're getting seven targets, six catches, 70 yards, maybe a touchdown. He's going to be in that 12 to 18 fantasy point zone every week. That's what makes him the alpha. I remember There was hilarious debates whether Jahan Dotson's the real alpha in Washington. It's like, no. It's Terry McLaurin. He's never had a quarterback. Right? Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, they go to the same bar it, they tell some of the same stories, right? Regale each other with stories of how awkward a pass was, how wayward it was, how they were able to reel it in any way. All the struggles with the PJ Walkers and, oh man, Carson Wentz at his worst. George Pickens, man, George Pickens, also a high floor receiver. Six targets is his floor, right? And now he has more 75-plus yard performances receiving than sub-75 yards. So George Pickens is also delivering in these pick 'em contests. You're picking Pickens. And in that game, we saw Darrell Henderson, right, just coming back to a, the, the comfortable team situation. He's comfortable with McVay, McVay comfortable with him. He puts up 61 yards and a touchdown. And this is what Toomey and I, we just said, if you're going to come to us with Darrell Henderson questions, just play Henderson, right? Just like if you're going to come to us with Jonathan Taylor questions, I'm sure whatever the answer is, is Taylor. And we were sure whoever you're debating between, it's Henderson. You play Henderson. You think it's going to be Zach Evans? Zach Evans is not good. So there's rookies, the funny thing is, so there's rookies that we know are not good, that were outplayed in college by Kendra Miller and had to, were forced to transfer, whatever it is. There's different reasons why we know for a fact certain players are overrated. They either lack the mental acuity to pick up the playbook so then they can't be relied on to, to have a significant opportunity share, or they're just bad at football and they're inefficient. Whatever the reasons, we know that they're not going to score fantasy points, right? And So Zach Evans like, why don't you wait? Why don't we wait and see on Zach Evans? And if, if he exceeds our expectations, which we don't think it will, but he could, fine. But in the meantime, they're going to give the ball to Darrell Henderson. You know what they're going to do. So just play him, right? The upside is that he commands the most carries and gets the touchdown, and that's what happened. That's exactly what, I mean, Toomey and I, we were on a roll. And also, there were questions about uh, Christian Watson. Now, I know Christian Watson picked up the injury. He has a knee sprain. But we said, bench Christian Watson. Bench Christian Watson until we see something. we got to see something. Please, show us something. I know it's the Broncos. I know you're trying to play him, but he is going up against Patrick Sertan. And just wait. Wait for Jordan Love to prove it. Wait for Christian Watson to prove it. I mean, Christian Watson is looking like one of the more catastrophic busts at the wide receiver position. And that's the thing. We talked about this many times. Once you got past Chris Olave and Devontae Smith, woof. Right now, Devontae Smith has not delivered either, right? But he hasn't been the raging bust that so many of these other receivers that were drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round were. I mean, woof. Jordan Love is not happening. I mean, This was obvious to anyone that could pull up his statistics at Utah State. But for those of you that didn't know, like it's somebody, you don't know, it's news. Like the news is coming, the news coming in that, oh, Zach Evans is bad. Man, how would I have known? Jordan Love, no good. How would how? If only we had playerprofiler.com, if only. Jaden Reed, better than Romeo Dobbs. Jaden Reed is someone that you absolutely want to pick up just based on this Christian Watson injury. I don't care that Jordan Love's inefficient. If Jordan Love is throwing the ball, then you want whoever is his primary option. And I believe his primary option, if it's not Luke Musgrave, it's going to be Jaden Reed. It's going to be Jaden Reed. Okay, it's going to be Jaden Reed. Spoiler alert, it's going to be Jaden Reed. It's going to be Jaden Reed moving forward. In fact, Jaden Reed even, they gave the game away. (laughs) Dobbs and Jaden Reed gave the game away when Dobbs dropped the touchdown, right? It ricocheted off of his body right into Jaden Reed's hands. So if you're looking at the box, you're like, oh, Reed and Dobbs both scored. Well, that could have been two touchdowns for Dobbs, should have been two touchdowns for Dobbs if he didn't have some of the worst hands in the league. Sloppy hands for Dobbs. It's not going to happen. Okay, Romeo Dobbs, sloppy route runner, sloppy hands. The fact that he produces it all. It's just a function of they have no veteran receivers on that team. Jaden Reed, as the weeks go on, he is going to become the alpha if Christian Watson misses significant time. And Dontavian Wicks is interesting. Dontavian Wicks also was exceeding expectations at the senior bowl. He wasn't one of the top Michael Wilson level performers, but he's interesting. And the fact that he's been commanding targets already as a rookie is a great sign. Now he's not Rashi Rice. Rashi Rice, seventeen fantasy points. Rashi Rice, because he's not running the full route tree, he has this hard cap at twenty fantasy points. And every week we're like, pick up Rashi Rice, pick up, and then now officially he's put together enough fifteen point performances that he's rostered in most leagues finally. But it was like two weeks too late, so it's it's exciting to see the real number one receiver, Travis Kelsey, but the real number one wide receiver for the Chiefs. Start to just run more routes, run more routes, run more routes. Season high thirty routes run for Rashi Rice. He's not necessarily going to run more routes than Martez Valdez Scantling, but it, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't. He doesn't need to run more routes than Scantling. Who cares, right? Scantling is just running separator routes. He's just trying to create separation underneath. Like M- MVS exists to. get... Get Travis Kelsey the ball, right? To push those safeties back for Travis Kelsey—that's his job. He has tactical value. You don't care that he's running most of those routes. His his target rate, targets per route run, one of the lowest in the league. Rashi Rice is one of the highest. It's incredible. But of all the players we've talked about that we knew were bad, and somehow fantasy gamers, it's a surprise. They're just—it's—it's—they're it, struggling, man. They're really the counselor. Oh, the counselor. He's. He's trying to figure this out. He's like, how is this happening, right? It's quite weird that Quentin Johnson's also not good. Man, relying on these rookies that aren't good. That's something I would avoid. In fantasy football, that's something I would try to stay away from. It's pretty pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. And that was the great arbitrage play in all of best ball this summer was that After the great Quinton Johnston landed in Los Angeles, he became a seventh-round pick. And then people started to figure out, oh, maybe he's an eighth-round pick. Oh, maybe he's a seventh-round pick. But it forced Josh Palmer, right? They relegated him. Like, the fantasy gamers relegated Josh Palmer before he was actually relegated. See, he was the number three all along. And you could get Josh Palmer in round 17, round 18. Of best ball leagues. And then what did he do? What did he do last week? 133 yards from Josh Palmer. I mean, the guy is a great DFS play. Week in, week out. Just inexpensive, splash-week specialist. In that offense, when they're going to play the Chiefs, of course you want to play Josh Palmer in flex. You want to get him in your DFS rosters, but you're hoping that you go back in your portfolio of all your best ball teams and you're hoping that in those later rounds that you could get a number three receiver, just an average. It's all you're looking for is the quintessential average receiver, the average receiver on a prolific offense who you know is going to be starting in three receiver sets. That was something we knew about Josh Palmer. And the upside was, oh, Keenan Allen misses games. Mike Williams misses games because the Chargers have the oldest starting receivers in the league. So you could easily see Josh Palmer becoming a, a top two receiver. Like all you had to know was that Quentin Johnston can't play. And then it's an auto pick later in best ball drafts. You would get Josh Palmer, even though we know him to be average. Sometimes average is good enough. 3 straight weeks with 2 touchdowns for Travis Etienne. Pretty good. Pretty 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 good. And I called him Skinny Josh Gordon. And boy, boy were fantasy gamers insulted by that. That was just so oh, father. That's mean. Regardless, I've seen him with his shirt off in camp making plays. Many had him penciled in on their draft list for 2024 in the first round. <laughs> Already have Badgett. Was looking at my phone. Already have Badgett. Already have Badgett. Already have Badgett. I was told that I should be drafting Calvin Ridley in the second and third round because next year he's going to be a first-round pick. You know, kind of a mid-takeaway week. Not, not an incredible takeaway week, but clearly. Some takeaways. This is a great week for takeaways. This is it's just, it's just so many takeaways. Oh, part father. That's mean.